Welcome to another episode of Clinton's Core Classics. While we continue to do a little bit of housekeeping behind the scenes before the release of our Season 3, I wanted to take an opportunity to reach out and speak with some of the other content creators of the world. Now, two weeks ago we had Kevin McLeod, the unintentional composer for Clinton's Core Classics, take some time out of his schedule and talk about his trade and some of his interests. Today, I wanted to head back to Galarian and speak with two tenured professors of the Pathfinder Academy. I'm joined now by the hosts and players of both the Pathfinder Academy and Trailblazers podcast, Caleb and Christian. Do you two want to introduce yourselves to help put a name to the voice? I'm Caleb. Thank you so much for inviting us. And I have to say it took everything within me to not interrupt you and say, oh, is he from the clan McLeod? <laughs> no, I don't believe so. It makes sense. There can be only one, so... Hi, I'm Christian. I'm dealing with the duality of being presented as a tenured professor and also trying not to audibly burp because I just ate dinner too quickly. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. We'll see what the future holds in that regard. Even the most formal of man is still just a man. <laughs> so how did you two meet? What's the story behind that? Christian, you want to take this one? I don't, it's not like a great story, I don't think. It was just in uh, it was just in college. We each had a programming course together. I can't remember which one it was. And Caleb had Bestiary 3, I think. <laughs> Am I accurate so far, Caleb? Am I messing anything up? Am Everything I sounds you? right so far. And I just came up to him because I had just started playing Pathfinder in the gaming club for the college we attended. I was like, hey, is that Pathfinder? I haven't seen that one yet. Let's check it out. And we just started talking. He was wearing a suit. He always wore a suit. I don't know why. You'd have to ask him. I didn't I didn't ask him. I didn't think anything about it. Was that I also thought the time you wanted to know that detail. wearing a clown nose? That was also the time you were wearing a clown nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cherry 3, I believe that's the one where I was just tickled pink that there was like Definitely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle monsters in there, like 100%. They could hide it, but it was there. Yeah, they, they, the cap is. You see, at that point, I had thought, mm, oh, Christian, he, he is some sort of Pathfinder expert. He must have so much <laughs> knowledge and experience. And it's not really till just this now moment that I realize I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> see... I could read the numbers that confused Caleb. So he's like, wow, this All right, absolute now. mathematical genius is this understands what we're doing? attack bonuses. We're going to get angry with each other. Is this how we're starting this? Now the fun begins. We're going to tease you each were... other. I got it. I don't believe you weren't angry at me at the beginning of this. Okay, let me just put, take my gun off safety. Welcome to 25 <laughs> minutes of throwing shade. I like that you had everything you needed for class. You had your laptop, you had your applications programming in C++ book, and you had Bestiary 3. <laughs> Yep. How else am I gonna walk through sleep sleepwalk through class? Oh, actually, I could tell you how it was playing Hearthstone in the back of the room. Oh, so because you do that. computer classes let you have laptops. Sure, I was doing something relevant, Professor. You would be playing Hearthstone of all games. You could be playing. You would be playing Hearthstone. What game would you rather I have played? I don't know. Probably about anything else other than Hearthstone. Yikes, Aruni had just come out, Christian. I I hadn't realized. How much money it was going to steal from me for not so great a return. Everyone else in the room could see it, Caleb. I was the guy behind you in class who was playing Cockatrice. See, Cockatrice, there you go. Play, play a real card game. At the same time, I was also getting into Magic the Gathering. All right, fine. I was playing Minecraft. Is everyone happy now? You can turn RTX on now, dude. It's you crazy. <laughs> All right. I would have played Fortnite, but it wasn't out yet. I was I was beta testing. So how how many years is that now that you guys have known each other, been playing with each other? Again? Oh, what was that? Two thousand thirteen? I have my degree right here. I can tell you. 
What year I graduated, and that's about it. Well, we graduated in 2015. I'm going to put an in inflection like everything's a question. 2010. That is that's a your high school. Strong one. Yep, 2015. You're right. <laughs> so, I don't know. 2015, you could do your so own I, math. So, that was... Uh, well, I think it was the year before we graduated that we met. I don't know. I've tried to scrub it from my memory. So 2014. Roughly five years, half a decade, mm-hmm. too long. Long enough to get some good playtime in together, I imagine. Well, we got playtime together. Oh, yeah. It's there in the annals of history. It's a funny it's little adjective you added there, but yeah, we played. And if one were interested in looking it up, together, Christian and Caleb orchestrate the Trailblazers Podcast Network, which you can find at www.tblazer.net. Mm, skillfully done. Thank you. And from the Trailblazers website... Caleb describes himself oh, no. as a married man who has accrued well over 500 hours being GM for various campaigns. And Christian, started playing Pathfinder at his college's gaming club, has since seen tabletop gaming become his main hobby. So for the purposes of this tabletop theme podcast, was there anything else that the listening audience may need to know before proceeding? The picture that's on the website is old, and I look better now. So I'm just going to put that out there. When you look at the website and you see me, just know I look even better yeah, the picture of me, the picture of me is also old, and I look much worse now. <laughs> much worse. I'm about maybe a, a a little, maybe like sixty pounds heavier. So, me and Caleb got to schedule headshots. I do. <laughs> I have retained the mustache as at this moment, though. Now, if you're gonna listen to the show, I'd listen to season two of Trailblazers. Uh, it's an actual play. It's edited much like a uh, an audio drama, and for Pathfinder Academy, broken much up like a school, so you can. Take a class on what subject you're interested in. But we're doing the advertisements early. You guys don't know us. You don't know how funny we are and entertaining. So <laughs> you, you'll see by the end of the episode, I'm sure. In for a treat, let me tell you. <laughs> and let me just tell you, statistically, you will like Christian more than me. <laughs> That's just math. <laughs> well, first off, I wanted to talk about why I invited these two onto the show today. A while back, while I was recording a stream with fellow cast member Reeton, I'd expressed interest in wanting to do a more topical show. Now, it's not that I don't love my podcast, and it's not that I don't enjoy listening to Trailblazers, and it's not that I don't love all the other actual plays that I listen to, but does the world really need yet another actual play podcast? Now, informational, on the other hand, I would love to take a stab at. So I started describing to Reeton how we would do an episode for all the core races and all the classes, and if interest was there, which in this example means if I could keep convincing my friends to sit in front of a microphone on a routine basis while I barred Pathfinder at them, we'd eventually branch out to all sorts of topics. Like, I wanted to do pantheons, I wanted to do re- I, I wanted to explore this world that I love exploring so much. But then I thought about it and I said, well, the Pathfinder Academy guys already started doing that. And since then I've thought about how great it would be to have you two as guests. So my first question for both of you is, what got you guys to start the Pathfinder Academy and Trailblazers for that matter? Can can I can I retort with a question of my own? Yes. What happened in your life that one of your goals was to have us on your podcast? Where did it go wrong? Um, <laughs> I, I guess it all started when I started comparing my success to other people. Oh, <laughs> mm, 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 mm. delicious! Now this I can. Uh, empathize with i'm with you here I, I could just do that oh but other people already did that why why would you why would anybody do anything mm-hmm. that anyone else ever did once before nothing makes me more depressed than watching the success of others <laughs> 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 uh so what start the question was what 
the question was, what brought y'all to start the Pathfinder Academy and the Trailblazers podcast? I was just interested in in talking about it, and I'm I have a very sort of OCD mindset, and I was like, this would this would be so cool just to put things in boxes as my life, and to have like little boxes of, and here we'll talk about the fighter, and here we'll talk about jamming basics, and here we'll, it's excited me so much, and I was so interested in 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 Pathfinder and role playing. It was something I've always wanted to do, and I finally breached it in college. I finally tried it, and I was having so much fun. And Christian as we now know, was misunderstanding of mine. I'm like, oh, wow, he's so informed. He knows so much about this, and we get along. I, I, he, I want him to be my co-host. Now, see, if I had known the truth, maybe we never would have done this show. <laughs> this only exists because of Christian's deception. So now, that, now say, that you've been tricked into it, you're, you're stuck into it over and over. Was it worth it? Mm, well, you say stuck into it. I just want to let you know that the uh, that the court order has been filed, and we'll see how long this lasts. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not sure if I should say I'm sorry or congratulations. I know how those separations <laughs> go. <laughs> really, I just legally I can't talk about it. That's all. Caleb really has himself in a bind because, as he said, people like me. He didn't foresee that unfortunate circumstance, so now he's really <laughs> stuck with me now. If I get rid of him, I'm going to lose most of my subscribers, so we're stuck together. I'd say another big ingredient in that mixture was uh, just narcissism, liking mm. hearing ourselves talks and think that we know a lot about the subject. That's how I tricked Caleb. I was like, I'm confident. I know what I'm talking about. Sure. Can I tell you how many episodes I've re-listened to and I go, mm, that's not great advice. I would record <laughs> this entire episode differently. But that's okay. That's that's why you grow, right? Definitely. Of course. I'd say that Caleb was the big push for the podcast. I've kind of just been tagging along. Like when you said that we manage the Trailblazer Network, really Caleb manages the Trailblazer Network. I'm just kind of lazing about and occasionally putting my two cents in. I would say that Christian and I uh, share an equal amount the creativity of the podcast. He's almost like the chief creative engineer of the podcast while I manage some of the business stuff. And then as far as the podcasts go, which one came first, the Pathfinder Academy or the actual play Trailblazers? I think technically Trailblazers by like a day or something like that. They came out about the same time. All right. So it's pretty neck and neck then. Mm -hmm. Notice I told you to reinforce what I was saying. Notice I told you to listen to season two first. (laughs) (laughs) I believe when you start listening to season one, it has a little blurb that says, hold on, this might not be for you. Go check out season two Mm -hmm. first and see if this is your jam. Yep. Which is smart. <laughs> Please do not witness this without knowing the truth. <laughs> I, I definitely say it's tolerable. I've always I've always strived to be that. <laughs> Four out of five stars, tolerable. <laughs> hey, I gave you five stars. You earned it. Oh, thank, thank you. you. One so, star would have been plenty. <laughs> so I did want to back off from the podcast just for a second and talk about the individuals here. When did y'all know that you were a nerd? Um, what, what was the first thing that you were like nerdy about? Did you have anything that was sort of your 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 go to thing? Like for example, I was at the age where Pokemon was being heavily mm. marketed, so that was my thing for a while. When I got into video games, Zelda was my thing for a long time. So, uh, was, was there anything like that that sort of you think back on your childhood and it really stands out? Video games for me, probably. I had an old Sega Genesis. 
I remember playing games back on the NES that I can't even recall what they were. I've had it like in the future, look them up and go, oh, look, that I did exist. I didn't make up that memory. That wasn't just a fever dream. Yeah, exactly. Uh, video games a huge part of my life. I, and N64 was where I spent uh, the majority of my childhood. Uh, we were talking before the show about your icon on Discord being from StarCraft. StarCraft, mm-hmm. very sort of like... Not, I don't know what the word is, maybe not seminal, but it's instrumental in uh, some of my storytelling and uh, a lot of my nerdum. And I played through the entire StarCraft 1 and Brood War expansion on the N64. Oh, you poor thing. Oh. Yeah, not great. Amazing. Uh, you can't patch a cartridge, which meant that uh, you could Zerg <laughs> rush every time and win because they didn't patch it. So that something cost more. So, yeah, you could just do that every time. Mm, split screen RTS. Now that's how you play that game. <laughs> with one of the, with the, the N64 controller. It was amazing. Beat the whole thing. I did it. Uh, my, remember my parents, it was like a big deal. What was the Christmas gift I got? My brother got a bicycle. I got a computer. Nerd, it's just, I was into anime, certain animes. I should say uh, Dragon Ball Z. That, that that whole storyline, at least you know at the start of it, was about father and son. It was something my father and I would sit down and watch. And then I've told this story maybe too many times. When it becomes nighttime and Adult Swim is on, I would sneak downstairs into the living room and turn on the TV to watch the... Oh, no, you're watching Inuyasha. There's, it's, no, it's too adult for you. Oh, Outlaw Star. Just, no, there's like sexual things in there. I'm... I'm, a, I, I'm I'm in adolescence, and I'm just absorbing it all up and, and absolutely loving it. And then, of course, I hear, oh, no, I hear the door open upstairs. I turn off the TV, but it's an old tube TV. It's still generating a little bit of <laughs> it's light. It's still you can warm. See the imprint. It's still warm. I'm like, please don't go to the living room. He's just going down. All right, he's in the kitchen. What is he doing? Oh, it's a glass of water. He's going up. Okay, shoof. all right, everything good. Wait, count like five minutes after I hear the bedroom door close. Turn back on. I'm back in Inyasha. Kagome, oh, no, sit, boy. I love the whole thing. That my nerdum was, was was from the start. I sort of believe everybody's a nerd because if you, the way I kind of define nerd is just sort of obsessions over certain things. Uh, anyone who, um, like my uncle, boy, he, when when it comes time for his his sports team, which is the Giants, to come on, he like has like this giant teddy bear he sets up. He puts the jersey on it. He sits down and he's almost like uh, he's meticulous about it and superstitious. Uh, people can be nerds into all sorts of things. Just look on the posters on their wall and you'll know what they're nerds about. Absolutely. Um, people are really big into ritual as well. And if that's a part of their ritual, if that's a part of their formula to success, and whether success is enjoying the night or whatever, mm-hmm. it's going to be a major motivator. I'd say for me, it's also majority of my life was video games in fact i'm pretty sure i was exposed to video games before i have like full memories of being a child because my brother is i think about three years older than me and he was playing video games when i was still one two years old and i have memories very vague memories of watching and trying to play games on the sega genesis with my brother when i was really too young to have actual memories of these things uh, video games are just a mainstay of my life from Sega Genesis to Nintendo 64 to PS2 and I started keeping up with it and getting all the oh I skipped a whole generation PS1 uh, PS2 Xboxes Xbox 360s followed them all the way through my life so I was always pretty nerd adjacent there it was always a mainstay I'd say the most definitive memory of oh yeah there's definitely something up with this kid he's a nerd would be I was probably like eight years old playing N64 I was playing Mischief Makers had a babysitter that was watching me. I was 
too lazy to put on clothes. I'm just sitting in my living room <laughs> in my whitey tidy, screaming at the TV because I'm trying to win the race in Mischief Maker. I didn't know that the dash ability was faster if you use the directional pad to tap twice versus if you use the C stick button to tap dash. And I didn't know I was losing the game and I was losing my mind. I'm not an angry person, but that really brought up some kind of primal rage in me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that started becoming more into tabletop RPGs as I got older when Morrowind became Oblivion and Oblivion came Skyrim and I started to realize that games were being restrictive of what I understood them or what I wanted them to be. I wanted more options. I didn't want to be put into a linear quest. I wanted something that could adapt with me and role-playing games really filled that niche for me and that more complex, more interactive stories could arise from that. Mm -hmm. The joy of tabletop gaming for me is that you're only limited by creativity, and that's not only your creativity, that's mm -hmm. the table's creativity. Uh, the follow-up exactly. question I've had for that, which we already started getting into, is sort of when did you get into tabletop gaming? Did you remember, you know, the definite time when you were first introduced into it, or what edition you were brought into? For me, it was Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 at my college's gaming club. I was something I was interested in. And I just went to them one night. I was like, hey, can I just watch? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I just watched a couple people play. It was about what I expected. It, they weren't the best, to be perfectly honest. They definitely had a lot of the more stereotypical bad game, bad GM kind of stuff where not everyone took it seriously and not everyone showed up all the time. There was a lot of player favoritism. But I could definitely see where in there was what I was looking for. So I eventually joined them. I eventually broke off and became my own GM and started doing what I wanted to do rather than have it be another GM deciding the fun of everybody else. I decided, hey, I'm going to be better than that. And that's where the narcissism comes in play as well. When do you hope on accomplishing that? You know what? I don't have a lot of time to play recently, so I really set myself back <laughs> in that goal. I'm looking at about 2025 right now. <laughs> And I've told this story before, I've said that I was a preteen when my youth pastor uh, introduced me to a Christian role-playing game called Dragon Raid. Uh, and then recently, when I was trying to remember the exact time, I realized it wasn't a preteen, it was before the age of 10, which is just disastrous. I don't know what he was <laughs> thinking and how he found that fun, but you know, Lord bless him. I, he also did like, there was like a car, uh, it wasn't racing, it was like... Um, I don't know what you call it. Instead of mechs, you were fighting with cars. You could put guns on cars and stuff like that. And you had to take out, break out rulers and stuff like that. I don't know how he kept our attention, but he did the same thing. Little kids love intense math, right? Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. But then when I really got into it in my adult life, I was in college, the same college I was going, uh, attending with Christian. And I just said to a group of, of friends that I met at college, and even one essentially stranger, a friend of his that I had never met, I said, I've always... Wanted to play role-playing games. I've never tried it. Do you guys want to play? And they said, yeah. And we bought uh, the fourth edition starter box of Dungeons and Dragons. Played that and we were hooked. Moved to Pathfinder soon after. Alright. Pathfinder obviously is a game that all of us enjoy. At least enough to publish a podcast about it on a somewhat weekly basis. What is it specifically about Pathfinder that you like so much? It's free. Ultimately, yes. If you have access to the internet, you can <laughs> have access to just about everything. There's a lot of reasons, but honestly, the biggest one is, especially for it fostering in college, was that it was free. Mm -hmm. When we were playing D&D 3.5, the GM is the only person with the books. 
So if we wanted to do character creation, well, I already got to buy my textbooks for college. I'm not going to go shell out for more books that are superfluous to my life. So you'd have to pass that one book around. You'd have to flip through it slowly. You'd have to consult the people that knew more than you to figure out how the heck to build your character and what other books you had to cross-reference. It was an absolute nightmare. And having all that for free in a compendium online just saved you hours and hours and let you actually play the game rather than play this mini game of okay who's gonna borrow the book tonight Mm. oh you didn't actually finish your character well you can keep the book another night and then the other person get it we'll start this campaign eventually don't worry that i wouldn't call it a nightmare because i do have fond memories of pre-internet tabletop gaming and I remember it being a lot of looking up rules. <laughs> that That's called nostalgia, and nostalgia is a lie. See, mm, there's this thing coming out. It's called nostalgia, but try again. This, nostalgia is a lie. There's this thing coming out called uh, WoW Classic, and people are going to immediately <laughs> realize that, oh, wow, things in the past sucked. I only thought they were cool because I had a limited understanding of that time. I saw an amazing video on it. The guy's like, my uh, beta footage of WoW Classic... <laughs> Jesse Cox just spent the 30-minute video fishing. (laughs) Uh, I love this game because any character concept or story concept I can imagine, I can accomplish in the game. Maybe it's not entirely accurate. I'd say maybe horror is a little more difficult. But if I could think of a fantasy uh, plotline or character, I've yet to fail at being able to create that since all those tools are available i absolutely love playing the game and then being able to create characters and crunch those numbers uh they make it fun Mm -hmm. and they make it a part of that process that's i really like pathfinder for that reason and when i look out i want to do something else that pathfinder can't accomplish something in the sci-fi genre cyberpunk genre I'll look to other systems, but when it comes to the fantasy genre, I've had little desire to look elsewhere because this is accomplishing everything I want it to. And it's doing it in a really fun way. Yep, the breadth of options is also the other big point for me. And exactly like Caleb said, I can think of any wacky combination of character concepts mash them together. It is something that is possible in the Pathfinder role-playing game versus some other ones like you better hope that they released this supplemental splat book that has a class that's what you're looking for because there's not that level of customization as there is with pathfinder between archetypes and multi-classing and variant multi-classing and all those different things that allow you to make the exact character that you want definitely i remember multi-classing in 3.5 being pretty good for what i was looking for but pathfinder and the many 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 variants and archetypes that are available to you it if you could think of a niche there's just about one there we'll bring this up a little later but it's very rewarding for that and i don't want to yuck anybody's yum if fourth edition you're crazy about that's great i played some fourth edition i really liked some of the things i played about it i just ended up going with pathfinder as long as you can find the fun in it your system of choice is great yeah, if you like healing surges, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> if, if you like having a, a ridiculous action economy, 4th edition is great. All right, wow. Okay. Next year, I guess we all know where we stand on that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> See, Caleb's a coward. I will call you out for wow. the things right. you enjoy. Uh, not, not to he, pick He would size, claim he's tolerant. But... I know otherwise. <laughs> You're not tolerant. You're a coward. <laughs> I'm brave, Okay. I'm just saying, if you haven't played any 4th edition lately, maybe it's not worth going back to. 
Christian, maybe we should just have separate but equal games. <laughs> that might be the solution here. I think it's the brave solution. <laughs> and then, what, if anything, do you dislike about Pathfinder? I think it's difficult for new people to get into without somebody guiding them. Especially when compared to the release of the, the new 2nd edition or the 5th edition of D&D. Sure. I would definitely agree with that. The, the scaling. I think early levels are absolutely atrocious and painful. Mm. And that until you hit about 6th, 7th level, it really doesn't feel like you're playing the game. And it's like needless restrictions. Like level 1 may as well not exist. You, you get hit by one weapon... Your one attack, you are out for the rest of the day. There is no if ands, or buts about it. Whereas they learn from that, and you can see in Starfinder, like a level one character is a perfectly viable character, can achieve what it's going for, and won't just die in a single hit. Pathfinder really struggles until, like, I usually start about fourth or fifth level. Anything before that, I feel like just if you're really not playing the game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that scaling is tied to things like the belts of strength, dexterity, constitution, the headbands of wisdom, it's really not a great way to scale. It's a very inorganic way to scale character strength. Sure. It's a really fair criticism. Yeah, I, I, I have very similar nitpicks, as well as a couple other things that just have to do with some of the mechanics. But when I think of problems of th- times I have unfun, which is not a word, but I'm going to use it, with <laughs> Pathfinder, it, it's usually dynamics created by the group, less about the game. It's more about problems that occur in, I think, any RPG sitting down uh, and and playing games that maybe everyone wasn't there for the same kind of game. Oh, that's always a problem, things like this. You're touching on topics that you discussed on one of your episodes wherein you do breakdowns of player types. Mm. That episode was very helpful for me because it helped me identify the issues I was having in both my online game group and my in-person game group. And Mm. it, it wasn't so much that I was looking to make radical changes, but... Having ways to identify that was a big help in me being able to find effective solutions. As Dan Hall said in our comedy episode, most campaign problems start at the base. Everyone's not there for the same thing, or you have uh, uh, expectations were different, or play styles are different. More and more as I go on, less and less I'm using... For, surprises are for children. Surprise! More in my life I've learned... That And everything in my adult life is confirming this. Surprises are for children. Surprises aren't great for adults. I, I, for more and more, I'm trying to... Everyone have their cards on the table when we start this game. What kind of game do you want to play? What is your character like? What's his backstory? No, I, yeah, it can be fun to hide this and we discover your character as we play. But you know what? It's To me, the risk is not worth the reward. Let's put it all on the table and that way we can all see... Okay, we all want to play with these different dynamics... And we all want to play this certain kind of game. And we all are interested in playing uh, on the opposite side of these other characters at the table. we got to get that out right away. And that's another really useful tool that I've picked up from you guys. My in-game group, uh, once we settle down on Pathfinder, I want to introduce them to Shadowrun. And I'm going to have a session where we sit down and just say, Hey, look, we could play this black trench coat or we could play this pink mohawk. How do you want to do this? (laughs) I everyone's different and some people design their game for their players I'm more of a person I'm going to design the game this is the, this is the fun thing I want to run 
who is compatible with this? Who wants to play this kind of game? Either way, you got to find it and announce it and get it all out on the table. It's just, a lot of times, it's just, it's incredibly difficult to get past this. So there's got to be a way to get past it at the base, because once it gets too far, it's too hard. It's I just don't like hanging out with you in any scenario. <laughs> we found this one thing that we have in common, but surprise, surprise, I still don't enjoy hanging out with you. You have a personality type which absolutely reflects on the kind of character you're playing. Oh, I don't want to play with the eye-rolly, no-selly rogue who betrays the party. And you're the kind of guy that's making those characters. Maybe we just, we don't want to play the same game. You got to find a group where, oh, we all have great chemistry. That sort of thing's just got to happen. It's like, people always ask, what's your what's your top five? This is my voice of the internet. Apparently, I think all my listeners sound like this. What's the top five uh, things, advice you give to new players? Number one is, look at Perception. It doesn't do what you think it does. Look, just let people see things. Mm-hmm. All right? A lot of people want to roll that. You don't got to roll it. I, I often tell people it's the most rolled skill in the game. That does not mean it is the most useful skill in the game. Nor that it should be the most rolled skill in the game. Uh, it should only be used to search for secret doors. And that's what I feel. <laughs> but and the, uh, the number two thing is make sure you're all there for the same game. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we're all on the agreeance there. The thing we like least about Pathfinder is that the people, other people have to play it. Right. <laughs> it's the community. It's the mm. community's fault. It's specifically Christian. You got me. What's y'all's favorite class to play when you get a chance to play as a player? Do you have a go-to that you like to keep in your back pocket? Kineticist and fighter. Fighter's fair, martial class. Gotta, like, throw out those energy blasts manipulate matter around you if i could have one superpower it's not flying it's not visibility it's like perfect telekinesis and then fighter are just like hey i'm the person with a really big sword and i'm going to slash you with it i hit things well yeah <laughs> i've solved this problem oh oh the wizard found the eighth level spell pass wall and bypassed the door and the di- i just broke it down i've got <laughs> a hammer I think it's funny that you like the most mechanically complex class <laughs> and the least mechanically complex mm-hmm. class. I wouldn't say there's a particular class, but there's an archetype I really like of roguish person, but base rogue is terrible. So I do what I can to spice up any of the rogue type characters. So archetypes for rogue that give it spell casting. The archaeologist bard archetype is one of my favorite classes character types to play investigator rogue with extra stuff and spells and buffs uh those are all my favorite things to play investigator came out pretty close to the unchained rogue if i recall collect group so i think around that time they were realizing the the pitfalls of rogue they were realizing that it doesn't really match up in the later levels especially i think that was a big help Definitely, and they overcompensated with Investigator. I love that class so much. That class is crazy good, and Unchained Rogue is actually really good. I got to play one of them as well, and they did a great job of making it a more viable class. Starting with the the basically being built in with finesse or whatever it is that allows you to do dex damage, that was I feel like that was a pretty essential step in the right direction in making them a little less useful. useful oh, right. I mean. And that brings me back to the question you asked earlier in that, what do we not like about the system? Because I have to mention this. I literally can't play without a feat rework. You, you got to give all your players weapon finesse, power attack, deadly aim, like all those necessary feats that you absolutely need to be a martial character. Just give it to them. 
you will have such a better time playing the game when everyone can actually do what they're supposed to do. There was a paper, it was like a short blog post or something like that where it described the the martial character feet tax. And mm-hmm. that was the document that really opened my eyes to the fact that making you have these feet tax is just an inhibitor and fun. And Especially the combat maneuver one. Mm-hmm. Like one of the most interesting things that marshals could do to affect combat without doing damage and it's gated behind like three feet. Absolutely yeah. ludicrous. Crazy. I think the thing you're referring to is elephant in the room yeah that's it it had an elephant on the cover <laughs> but yeah no i literally like if i am playing a game i'm going to ask the gm and if they say no i'm going to heavily reconsider playing that game if they're not just going to give me weapon finesse and power attack that's very good considerations i haven't gone that drastic yet but i maybe probably should well what is your most memorable character or experience in pathfinder Probably it's between two. One was Dollar Hide, which was a rep toy, just because I wanted to look like an alligator. Caster. I don't do a lot of casters, and this is the first time playing a caster. The Arcanist, which ended up being a really cool class, by the way. Maybe that'd be number number three. Arcanist was awesome. Uh, just the way my GM had the story is is you know we were displaced from time, and my sort of uh, my my queen's daughter got displaced with me, and so my whole goal was to, to, to reunite this daughter with its mother, and I don't know what to do with, like, a little human daughter. It's like, oh, all right, a little girl, okay, all right, no, let's see. Ten feet, ten feet rule, let's just stay away. Okay, that's a, all right, you're chasing me with a salamander. I don't like salamanders. Let's, let's back off, let's back off. Uh, and, and just uh, the interactions and being able to uh, to have such a strong goal while my character was going through to... A, a trauma because the trauma of time travel in this world really had us like pretty much your character was was going to mentally degrade and die like it was the opportunity where i could i could reenact the shining scene it's like don't you understand i've made a promise a contract to bring this daughter back to where she goes what exactly do you think should be done with it you know i could just reenact that whole scene and have fun uh, as I go crazy and still trying to remain a good person who's trying to get this girl back to where she needs to be. It was just a lot of fun, and I got to I always have fun doing accents. The other character I really enjoyed playing was Guts. and it was a, I played with Christian uh, for a time with Guts. Tiefling. It was pretty much Guts from Berserk combined with Mirahan from StarCraft. And it was just a whole lot of fun. I love romance in my games, and I got to do a really fun romance with the uh, guy who won my hand in marriage over a card game and then me just harassing him the whole game uh, as he realizes he has feelings for me too. Yeah, I never realized like, I was a thespian until I started playing Pathfinder. It's, it, oh, especially definitely. when Actors you're the thrive uh, in this game. It's it's one of like the things I look forward to the most in the week. Absolutely love playing the person who gets to go berserk and battle with just a giant sword too, too big for them. <laughs> an accent. That was another one I got to do an accent with. One of my most memorable experiences, definitely, and I'm not just shilling out here for our own network, but Season 2 of Trailblazers, playing with Tim as my companion in the game, under Caleb as a GM, is one of, of, if not the best campaign ever played, with a player and a GM that were just so well experienced that the role-playing just went to another level with that, where, you know, he says he edits it to be like an audio drama, but I feel like just from us chatting in game there was definitely editing to be had but for the most part it already felt that way it felt more like a drama while we were playing it didn't feel exactly like a tabletop rpg and that was really special for me another character i really enjoyed was when unchained rogue came out 
I wanted to try on Chain Rogue. So I made a bit snowflakier backstory than I typically do. It was a sylph rogue. He's pretty young, I think he was in his teens, maybe somewhere around 17. And the idea being that because he was a sylph and he was uh, in a caravan, that everyone in the caravan saw him like, oh, one day he'll grow to be able to grant wishes. So they kind of expected this from him and they would ask him for things and see, did he get the ability to grant wishes yet? And he never did, so he eventually just left because people started getting angry at him and blaming him and he couldn't deal with it anymore. So he just left and never really developed a great relationship with the people he grew up with and it left him to be... Though he was a roguish person, had to steal to get by, he was true neutral. Uh, I don't like using alignments to describe characters, but it kind of fit really well with this one. He was true neutral. And playing a true neutral character was really, really interesting because you get to kind of be the counterweight to every other player in the game. You can kind of relate to all of them on some level. So when you have the lawful good paladin that's making a plan that's clashing with the chaotic neutral bard's plan, you can be the liaison between them. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. And Unchained Rogue was heck fun was wow really fun i love that class Did you turn it doge for like a second there <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> much fun. gotta keep wow. it pg okay right. <laughs> you know 400 hours is a long time to play and uh, i was able to to utilize all that hour to make my player cry by psychoanalyzing them as the villain that's a highlight definitely and uh, just ending a campaign that's that long is just something that sticks with you for a long time I'm an emotional person. I remember. <laughs> oh, no. I remember maybe I was 15, something around there. And I, me, me and my friend were just playing with toys. It's like that. You ever seen that castle that I think every kid owns? I don't know how it happens. Maybe the government just issues it to you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but this plastic toy castle. It's a little drawbridge. You can put things in it. Mm-hmm. We were playing with that and little, like, figures and stuff like that. And I remember, like, I had this little turtle. And I... And this is, I have such a terrible memory, but this is what I remember. I remember at the end of it, crying and looking at my friend Tim and saying, I'll always remember this. I don't <laughs> remember what the story was or anything, but I remember saying, I'll remember this. I'm just an emotional piece of crap, and that's just all that happens all the time. So I'm like, we played 400 hours and now the game's over and we did this thing and it was a great ending and you guys were all happy and you were able to accomplish me and beat the bad guy. <laughs> and then everyone got together for a big group hug. Yeah, that's right. My next question for you guys is if you could create a class, what would it be and how would it utilize totems? <laughs> how would it use... <laughs> Someone listened to our, what, War Priest or, or Shaman episode? It's a shaman. couple episodes. It's definitely the Shaman <laughs> It's a deep cut. It's a real deep cut. Um, I would make a class. I would make an extension to the, what is it, Low Templar Prestige class. There is really no great class or archetype that capsulates a roguish character with divine powers. Yeah, Inquisitor's kind of close. Mm. Uh, the one archetype for War Priest is kind of close, but it's not exactly what I'm looking for. I'd look for... I would look to make something that was a rogue slash cleric, I guess, essentially. Looking for more like a shadow priest than what the cleric alone can provide. Yes. I'm looking here at some of the stuff I've already written up, and a lot of stuff is just I'm not creative enough. I, I, I do, like, archetypes. Like, I like the bombing of Alchemist. I'll make an archetype that just does bombs. I like Kineticist. I'll make one that can use all the elements. Oh, I like Fighters. I'll make one that's, like, Link from Zelda. Uh, for, like, actual classes I made myself, uh, 
the two here that seem to be of any interest is one, the, the, the Thumaturge, that's a word, which was a guy who spent mana to fuel spells, and the Doppelmimic, which is somebody who could transform into monsters, because I want to play as monsters, all right? It's a theme, and I want it. Give it to me. You won't give it to me, I'll make it. I'm afraid that they already have the Synthesis Summoner. <laughs> okay, all right now. <laughs> I want to be handed a bestiary page. Why is everyone against this? No, Caitlin, you can't do that. I want it. We already know it doesn't work. Doesn't it, though? We have evidence. We have empirical evidence. Where? Prove it. That 3.5 druid. Go uh, look at the form post, Caleb. Go into this. All right, we, we got a short amount of time. All right. Okay. All right. The, so so let's just assume that you can't prove it. <laughs> uh, what you said reminded me. I did try to make a class once. I wanted to make something like an engineer. I think I might have named it Artificer. The idea being that they have knowledge of engineering and they're able to make technology and most of their class was around the idea of inventions they would make an invention or they, they could basically choose inventions combine different things so the inventions could be things that they attach to weapons it could be their own weapon it could be their allies weapons it can be slotted items it could be like certain boots that they make and they each had like their own unique properties that did different things and they could either use their own inventions to make themselves a fighter or they could be more of a support character and pass their inventions around to other players uh i never end up finishing that concept at all i got to like level five i was like whew this is tough how do, how do people do this i'm gonna stop now i mean i guess in the advanced class guide there is kind of sort of instructions for that but not really there's definitely not like a template that you could follow for that sort of thing not at all, especially because I think a big thing for classes is that they need to interact with the world in a unique way compared to other classes, or else what's the point? Right, why be so, a shifter when you could just be a druid, or vice versa? Exactly, so if you don't have a unique mechanic that allows you to do something that other classes haven't really done before, you know, what's the point? And when you have that, it becomes a really hard thing to fit into the pre-existing mold of how to build a class. Right. Because I have something we've never seen before. So, well, let me speed ahead here just a little bit. On your podcast, Pathfinder Academy, you cover topics from a series of perspectives. Um, for example, the 100 series is based on play. Uh, 101's your basic mechanics class. 200's game mastery. 300's is advanced topics. And your 400 series will eventually discuss alternate rule systems. Uh, you have plans for race overviews, plans for class overviews, that's core, base, alternative, hybrid, occultist, unchained, wilderness, and prestige, and finally book reviews. But was there any topics that you wanted to cover but couldn't find an appropriate place to fit it in? There's some like funny rules where like you can have a line of a, a hundred villagers and shoot a bow and arrow in six seconds and they can each make a shot or you can't see the sun by the rules and different <laughs> fun things like that. But there wasn't enough to make it an interesting episode and there wasn't a good enough concept. Uh, we have an episode that's sort of like we, we got um, F. Wesley Schneider, who helped create the game, to to give us a little bit of uh, his opinion on. But we sort of decided eh, maybe not to do the episode, which is how to run games with large groups. So we decided not to do it because we don't have enough experience to give good advice on it. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment, Christian. I know something that we've been requested to do before is like take actual characters from popular series and try to make a build like me and Caleb each make a build to try and represent that character right but I mean like someone would be like oh try and make Link and oh, we make an episode like here's you. how you make Link in Pathfinder 
It's something that's been requested, nothing that we ever had a strong desire to do, just because there's enough, like, actual content in the game that we have to cover before we start making stuff up. Sure, you'll be scratching the barrel once you get to, uh, once you get to build videos. Although, that's not a bad idea. That could be fun. Well, other than yours, do you have any podcasts that you suggest that people start looking for for Pathfinder-related content? Let me open up my... <laughs> Pathfinder? No, we're the best. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the answer to your question is no. Next question. No, uh, I think no a lot of people. No way. A lot of people might already be aware of a podcast called No Direction. I usually listen to their Pathfinder stuff, and they also upload um, seminars at different conventions. And if the topic's interesting enough, I'll listen to it. The problem is, and I say this to anyone who asks advice about an actual play podcast, and I say that the the hardest thing about making an actual play podcast is the piece of mustache hair I have in my mouth that's making it very difficult to talk, <laughs> is that there are a million actual play podcasts. And I have friends and people who are friends of the show that have their own podcasts, and I want to listen to them. I enjoy their personalities. I think they're hilarious or, or interesting. And I just don't have the time because actual pod, actual play podcasts are a huge time commitment. So I, I would love to listen to list you everything that everyone I know does. I just don't have the time. The truth is I've listened to There Will Be Dungeons. Uh, Kyle Ferguson uh, is a guy who used to – Kyle Ferguson was a guest on our show. Uh, I've enjoyed his other podcasts in the past. I was listening to some of that, but I'm only eight episodes in, and there are like 60 episodes in, because again, I just don't have the time, but that's a really good one. Uh, I think a lot of people might be aware of The Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. I first found out about it when I listened to a podcast, a podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and they are just geniuses of comedy. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, and they blend so well. Good drama with phenomenal comedy very very good podcast at least their 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 first season um i'm waiting for them to get back to a more uh sort of fantasy setting before i listen to another season but that first season was really phenomenal i very highly recommend it i remember getting like emotionally compromised by the the quality of writing in that show it's definitely worth recommending Mm. flagons and dragons i think is i don't think you can find it anymore let me tell you something I have contacted people whose podcasts I love. I'm like, listen, I will host your podcast on our network for free. And they're saying no. I'm, it's Help me out, guys, here. We need, <laughs> we need to get this done. There's some really good actual plays that have been lost to time. I forget what the one was called, but there was one that, that was like a sort of like mutants. Instead of me uh, fumbling around for it, I can actually find the answer uh, while we listen to Christian's less interesting answer. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of Pathfinder-specific podcasts. I listen to a lot more drama-type podcasts. Uh, the only tabletop RPG one that I consistently listen to is Neo Scum. They do Shadowrun, and they're a bunch of improv comedians, and the game itself kind of takes a backseat to them being improv-y. Uh, but it's absolutely hilarious. I love them. They're a ton of fun to listen to, and they're very consistent with the releases. Or at least they were up until when I stopped listening to them because I got busy within the past like two three months but you know they're great i highly suggest neo scum i'll definitely check that out i i can never get enough shadow run well you won't be getting a lot of it from them to be perfectly honest they, they just kind of roll dice occasionally and you're like oh they're doing hits and uh, successes and misses so they're doing shadow run but you don't get a lot of the mechanics from the game sure sure did 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 Oh, it was flagons and dragons. Gosh darn, look at me. You got it. All right, well, then uh, let's move on. 
right. There was another one that was like a Mutants and Masterminds one. It was, it's hard to to remember. Maybe that was Flagons and Dragons. I can't quite remember. Uh, where like the guy was hitting people because it was like a post-apocalypse thing. He he, his weapon was a meter maid, and every time he'd hit people, <laughs> like coins would come out. That's amazing. What an amazing concept. There was a bunny person that was uh, hilarious, and I have to put into one of my games at some point. And I, I like it was. It's an itch that I haven't found a lot of podcasts able to scratch, which is the post-apocalyptic, oh, you've come across technology from the age that was before the apocalypse. Well, that's a abundant in story, I haven't seen that in a lot of actual plays. Mm-hmm. And the last one I recommend is, uh, it's called Acquisitions Incorporated, which is another one. Oh, Caleb, you're, list- you're listing the five biggest actual play podcasts. What a surprise. <laughs> I guess they're just they're the top five for some reason, right? Uh, but they they have great comedy in theirs, and they they play with oh what's his name, Chris Perkins. Got it. I Chris got it. Perkins. Oh, Chris Perkins is on it. It's run by Chris Perkins, who's really well known for being a phenomenal GM. Sort of dream of mine would be able to play with him, but it is Dungeons and Dragons, not Pathfinder. But those guys, they I, I watch their conventions. They have a, a normal podcast that you can just listen to, but at conventions at at PAX. Uh, because it's run by the guys who do Penny Arcade, mm-hmm. um, or their players anyway. Uh, they just they dress up, they have awesome models, and they're just so gosh darn funny. I guess my theme is I like funny <laughs> podcasts, funny actual plays, but I'd highly recommend that as well. Well, stay tuned for the future change.org petition to see extinct podcasts coming to a podcatcher near you. I'm, guys, I'm, t- I'm going to rewrite after this, I'm going to send an email again. To the guy who ran Flagons and Dragons. He, you can't deny me. If I send you a mail every year, it'll be like uh, Shawshank Redemption. Eventually, he's just going to say fine. I think that's called harassment. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's called a lot of things. Uh, what it's also called is I have a lawyer, so call it whatever you want. <laughs> well, before we finish our recording today, I'd like to share with the listening audience that Caleb and Christian have the option to sponsor an episode. So if there's something that this Pathfinder related that you want to know more about or you just want to let other people know more about they have further details available on their website and then was there anything else that you two would like to plug well we will, say do, that it, we will do whatever you sponsor even if we hate it we did mass combat rules we chugged through it it came out great I think at this point people pay to hear me rant I think <laughs> that's a selling point and uh, yeah thank you for letting everyone know that there is a way you can really waste your money and sort of an objectively poor decision is by uh, paying for us to talk about things. Appreciate that. And then if people were so inclined, where could they find you? Is there any social media or other? The biggest way to, to, to talk to us is to jump on our discord. We have a link on the bottom of our website, tblazer.net. We're on there like every day, all times of the day you can find us and talk to us and uh, really be harassed by me in a genuine way. <laughs> <laughs> you see you get the third party harassment from him yelling at me but it's such a different experience you have to do it first hand I can't suggest it enough if you're really lucky you'll be logged on while you have an opportunity to talk with drunk Christian <laughs> this sort of does like an AMA occasion. that is uh, near disastrous every time it happens well you should mm-hmm. stop bringing up the trauma in our role playing games while I'm drunk <laughs> instigating is the word you're looking for and uh, I will continue to do so and <laughs> a- a- really what is measured detriment to myself <laughs> alright well guys I'm not going to take any more of your time thank you very much for sitting down and talking to me I want to show you guys have a very good day very enjoyable future role play sessions and let us know if you ever want to play uh, Rise of the Rune Lords with us 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting us. Uh, it's, it's really an honor to have somebody actually like the thing you make enough that they want to talk to you. It's, thank you so much for inviting us, huh? My pleasure. Thank you, and it's been a long time since I've touched Rise of the Ruin Lords. It's been a long, long time. It was quite the journey. Rise of the Ruin Lords? I haven't heard that name in <laughs> three years. I've only been playing for like it. five, so still, it's a long time. Still holds up. Did you reach the Giants yet? Um, in gameplay, yes, and our recordings were getting pretty close. Did you just say it still holds up? Yeah. In the words of the late, great Jeff in Control Robinson, does it though? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love having obnoxious haunts when you're a little bit too high of a level to be dealing with them? Mmm, I wonder if we'll fight a giant this session. Hmm, mm, I wonder how many giants will fight for the rest of this campaign. <laughs> we we could talk about Rise of the Ruin Lords some other time. I'd li- I would like to talk about what you guys think of Rise of the Ruin Lords, because I ran through, I couldn't finish it. I thought it started off strong. I think it went somewhere else in the middle, though. It's usually, I think, book five where people start really belly aching at it. How many books are there? Six. Six. I think it's a little bit before five. <laughs> Just a little, <laughs> a little bit before five. Well, tune into this podcast until it gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name of your podcast. Welcome to Until It Gets Bad. You're welcome to leave anytime. You, you can pay. You can pay me for the name suggestion, by the way. That's funny, and I am going to steal that. <laughs> uh, you can find our PayPal's on our website. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're just they're, they're the top five for some reason, right? Uh, but they they have great comedy in theirs, and they they play with oh, what's his name? Give me a second, I can look it up. I literally typed the word "actual play podcast" into the internet. Give me the answer by the morrow. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Acquisitions Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs>